Hi, this is R.C. Babian with FamilyVoiceOvers.com. I invite you to open your heart now and let Christ speak to you through this podcast. This is Christ is All with Frank Viola. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire Hi, Fun Seekers. Welcome to another edition of the Christ is All podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about friendship, specifically seven ways to destroy a friendship. And I'll introduce the subject by saying that friendships are immensely important to me. I like the way that George Eliot defines friendship. He says, friendship is the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words. Of course, Jesus talked about friendship when he said to his disciples in John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Aristotle talked about three kinds of friendships, and I have found these to be true in my own life when it comes to friendships. He said there are friendships of utility, friendships of pleasure, and friendships of the good. I've reframed these three kinds of friendships into the following. Friendships of usefulness. I have friends who I never hear from except when they need something. Usually it's once a year. Maybe they're coming out with a new book and they want me to endorse it. And that's about as deep as it goes. These are friends of usefulness. And I'll shamelessly admit, because I'm an extrovert, I sometimes find that a little bit irritating. That the only time I hear from them is when they need something. However, I'm fine with it. Business partners would fit into this. Coworkers. I'm fine with it because by nature, I'm a generous person. And if someone has a need and I can meet it, I want to do that. And to my mind, at least, this echoes the Lord's life, where Jesus said, if someone asks you something, you give it to them. Consequently, we should always tilt towards saying yes if we can. Of course, there are times where we cannot say yes, because saying yes to one request means saying no to others. But that's a whole nother discussion. But business partners, co-workers on the job, classmates may fit into the same category. These are all friends of usefulness. Then there's a second kind of friendship, and that's friendships of mutual interest. And here, the glue that holds the friendship together is a particular kind of shared enjoyment. Think about fishing buddies, or workout buddies, or golf buddies. You and your friends share a common interest or pleasure, and that's where your friendship is rooted. The interesting thing here is that if you stop fishing or you stop working out, well, the friendship pretty much dissolves because it's based on that common interest. The third kind of friendship is friendships of virtue. And the glue that holds this kind of friendship together is a mutual respect and the fondness you have for the other person. And of course, this would be the highest kind of friendship out of the three. That fondness for one another can rise to admiration. Essentially, you value one another as people, and you enjoy one another's company, and you genuinely care for each other. You're not in it because of a common interest or how the other person can benefit you. You're in it because you genuinely like each other. 
And again, this is the highest form of friendship. I would call this third kind of friendship, the friendship of virtue, a close friendship. And the people who would be part of it, you would consider to be your close friends. That said, I would characterize a close friend as follows. One, a close friend rejoices in your joys and sorrows over your pains. They're sympathetic and they're empathetic. Whatever happens to you, they feel happens to them in some measure and vice versa. Secondly, a close friend won't defriend you if you disagree on an issue. And anytime there is a disagreement between friends, the friendship is tested. And when a friendship is shallow or one of the friends is essentially self-absorbed, then a disagreement or a candid heart-to-heart about something that you don't see eye-to-eye on or even a loving word of correction done with the highest motivation and intention can cause the friendship to dissolve if the friend defriends you because of the disagreement. So by contrast, a close friend will not defriend you even if you happen to disagree or don't see eye to eye on something. The friendship will remain intact. Three, a close friend stays in regular contact with you. If you only hear from someone once or twice a year, I wouldn't characterize that as a close friend. There's more communication between close friends than that. Four, a close friend is someone whom you trust implicitly and they've earned your trust. You don't doubt for a second that they have your back. Close friendships consequently also bring disclosure, as Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15. Five, a close friend will stand by you, defend you, and even take a bullet for you when you're under attack. So that essentially sums up what a close friend is and the three kinds of friendships that exist. To wax a little bit personal here, let me say again that friendships are incredibly important to me. I don't know who the author of this statement is, but they said, wherever you are, it's your friends who make your world. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is because it's more personal. It's more of an intimate way that I can connect with you. Maya Angelou once said, Words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning. And outside of a live event where I can meet you in person, many of you who listen to this podcast, this is the second most personal way that I can connect with you. Because you can hear the human voice. And just last year, I made about five brand new friends. I would say that all of them were friends of usefulness. Going back to the categories that I outlined earlier, we help one another in the work we're involved in. However, one of them has become a close friend. And as an extrovert, I value close friendships. Extroverts are people who derive energy from communicating with others. Of course, you can't have a lot of close friends because if you have a lot of close friends, then they all become pretty much shallow. Close friendships require time, a very limited commodity in all of our lives. Anyway, I was able to forge a close friendship with one of those individuals, and I'm very thankful for that. I would say that in my life right now, I have about nine or ten close friends. These are friends that would be defined by the five characteristics I sketched out a few minutes ago. I'm very thankful for all of them, and I'm in continuous contact with all of them as our friendship grows. Recently, I've also connected with another individual, a fellow author, And we are forging a friendship that may turn out to be a close friendship. Time will tell. Now, all of that is the foundation for what I'm about to say next. Seven ways to destroy a friendship. The first way to destroy a friendship is to take unnecessary offense at your friend. An offended friend is harder to win back than a walled city. Now, I have watched friendships deteriorate because one person took offense, unnecessary offense, at the other. And usually it's over a disagreement or because one friend corrects the friend in love and the other friend takes offense. 
I remember many years ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop with two of my friends. All three of us were mutual friends. And one of my friends in that little meeting, we'll call him Jack, had a heart-to-heart with our other friend, Randy. We were all very close, and so Jack wasn't speaking at a school. But he just pointed out something in Randy's life that he felt was a real problem. And I happened to agree with him. We tend to be blind to our own flaws. So Jack was pointing out a blind spot in Randy's life. He did it in a loving, gracious way. And Randy was ultra-defensive. He took offense and he cut off his friendship with Jack. And this happened more than 15 years ago. But what happened there was simple. Randy's ego was too large to sustain that friendship. And he took unnecessary offense. The scriptures have a lot to say about this. I've made the statement that Christians in general are the most offendable people on the planet. And that really is an oxymoron and an irony because Christians should be the least offendable people on the planet. Jesus was very clear, blessed he who is not offended at me. If you have thin skin and you're easily offended, then there's an awful lot of flesh that's not died in your life. And you will have a hard time sustaining friendships unless your friends always agree with you. And if you're someone who's in a leadership role or you're in a ministry or you have influence on others, You cannot afford to be offended at other people. Proverbs says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook an offense. Nothing reveals a person's character more than when their expectations haven't been met, when they have faced a disagreement, or when they have been corrected. That, my friends, will expose the spiritual stature of any individual. How do they react when things don't go their way? How do you react when things don't go your way? I've written about this on my blog in a post called Living Without Offense and in my book God's Favorite Place on Earth. There's a section in which I deal with it extensively called The Forgotten Beatitude. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense, the scripture says. So that's the first ingredient for destroying a friendship, taking unnecessary offense at your friend. The second way to destroy a friendship is to impute evil motives to their hearts to second-guess their intentions, to cast aspersions on their heart. The fact of the matter is, you as a mere mortal cannot read another person's heart. Only the Lord Jesus Christ has that ability. And usually, I would say probably 95% of the time, when you impute a bad motive into someone else's heart, you're merely projecting what's in your own. We project onto others what's in us. So never judge another person's motive. If you don't know why someone is doing something, or you question it, simply ask, why did you do X, Y, Z? And be open to their answer, just as you would want to be treated if it were you in their shoes. And always think the best, for you'd want the same from others. So that's the second way to destroy a friendship, is to impute evil motives to their heart. Third, you will destroy a friendship if you criticize or complain about your friend in their absence. You certainly wouldn't want your friend to do this to you. You would want them to go straight to you to list their gripe. When you complain about another person or you criticize them behind their back, you are engaging in gossip, plain and simple. And Proverbs has a lot to say about how gossip destroys friendships. So give your friend the courtesy that you would want given to you. If you have an issue with them, go to them directly. Talk to them. It's the height of cowardice to go behind their back and complain. Be an adult. Go to them in person because if not, there's an excellent chance you're going to lose that friendship. Number four. Never initiate contact with your friend. Always leave it to them to do the initiating. Now, I've known people throughout my life who are very strong about friendship, but they would never reach out and flesh out what they wanted others to do. 
They always left the ball in the other person's court, and they never rolled the ball themselves. If you want to maintain a friendship, you need to do some of the initiating. You cannot leave it to your friend to always initiate, because eventually they'll stop. And it would be a huge mistake to point the finger at them. And if you do, just remember that there's at least three pointing back at you. So don't let your friends do all the initiating. Carry the ball, carry your piece of the ark, and share the responsibility of the friendship. Friendships do not thrive without each party initiating conversation and contact. And that leads to the fifth point. Don't return phone calls or emails. What will end up happening is your friend won't call you anymore, nor email you anymore, and you can lay that at your own feet. The next point. Keep bringing up a painful event in your friend's life. That's a sure way to destroy a friendship. I saw this happen about 20 years ago. I had two friends, and one of my friends had been through a traumatic experience many years in his past. And he had just forged a new friendship with another individual who I knew, who was a mutual friend, but he wasn't the most sensitive person on the block. And I remember as he was getting to know my other friend, he brought up his traumatic experience that he had gone through many years ago. I guess he had heard about it secondhand or thirdhand. And my friend was not really interested in opening up an old wound. But because they were friends, he went ahead and gave a short answer, and that was that. Well, my other friend, <clears throat> the one who's not very sensitive, kept bringing it up from time to time, asking more questions, probing the nerve. And eventually, my other friend, who had been through this, got so tired of it, as it was really uncalled for, that he just stopped talking to him. So the point there is to be sensitive. If you have a friend who has gone through some kind of traumatic experience many years ago, have the good sense not to bring it up. No good comes out of that and all you're doing is causing your friend to relive an event that's dead in the past and has no bearing on the present. And you would certainly want the same if it were you. I know when it comes to my friends, I'm mainly interested in the present and the future. They want to share with me things that happened in the past that were good or bad. That's fine, but I'm not going to probe that nerve. Most people I know have had some kind of trauma happen to them, and some of it is very, very dark. So be sensitive if you want to keep a friend. The next one, remain silent when your friend is under attack. Martin Luther King Jr. said it best, In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Those of you who know me well, and even those who read my blog, are well aware of this one fact. I will take a bullet from my close friends. I'll throw my body in front of a bus if a friend of mine is being attacked, unjustly criticized, or misrepresented. I've done this numerous times in my blog, and I will continue to. I will quickly rise to the defense of my friends when they are being unjustly treated. And this is particularly true if you're in a leadership role or if you're impacting people on a large scale. There are going to be haters. There are going to be people who will lie fabricate things about you and personally attack you. Usually it's out of jealousy or because they took offense. It's something you said or did. But in every situation historically, the people who are launching the attack end up falling on their own swords. Now for me personally, as a servant of Jesus Christ, I will not defend myself when attacked. Defensive people are in the flesh and they get on the same level as those who attack them. Remember, Jesus was silent when he was under attack. And if you read 1 Peter chapter 2, we are to follow his example in that. However, I will defend at the drop of a hat my friends when they are unjustly treated, misrepresented, or personally attacked. And whether or not you like Martin Luther King Jr., the man was on the front lines and what he was doing. He was viciously attacked by detractors. 
and his statement is incredibly powerful and incredibly true. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So that is yet another way to destroy a friendship. So just to review, seven ways to lose a friend. One, take unnecessary offense at your friend. Two, impute bad motives to their hearts. Three, criticize or complain about them in their absence. Four, never initiate contact, but leave it to them to always initiate. Five, don't return phone calls or emails. Six, bring up painful events in their past. Seven, remain silent when they're under attack or unjustly criticized. Now, all of these seven points are summed up in a text that I probably have quoted more times than any other in the Bible, because upon it hangs the law and the prophets. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Matthew 7:12. Not only is that the Lord's definition of love, which is the second greatest commandment after loving God, but it is the secret for making friends and for keeping them. I am thankful to the Lord for all the friends that God has given me, and I hope you are as well. And I hope this little talk encourages you to nurture those friendships and not to see them destroyed. If you're new to the blog and you haven't subscribed yet, I would encourage you to do so. Just go to frankviola.org forward slash podcast and you will see a list of various ways to subscribe. There's also a link that has step-by-step instructions on how to subscribe in iTunes, which I would really encourage you to do because it helps new people find the podcast. And if you want to share the podcast, just go to frankviola.org forward slash love. And there are ready-made links and tweets that you can share with your friends. I hope this has been beneficial to you. Until next time, God bless. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. The taste of love is sweet. When hearts like ours meet I fell for you like a child Oh, but the fire went wild I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire, the ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire, the ring of fire And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire